you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. I had a, a good problem. I have to occasionally switch cables on the back of the Mac Mini when I've done other things. And the other thing that I was doing was, of course, I got lots of new music for my birthday. And so I was using my super... Actually, I'm beyond a CD drive now. I got a guy from Otherworld Computing that handles every kind of media even faster, better, stronger than what I had before was a super drive for Apple. So I'm going to take that one up to California for digitizing my father's music collection. And uh, but then, like I said, I had to switch to camera and microphone connection. And that's why I was invisible for a while. So <laughs> right. a well, new shirt for the birthday. I got nice. a nice, and it's, it's dark green, it looks black on screen, yeah. but that's have things very muted here. I need to have face glow instead of side light <laughs> or whatever else might be happening. Yeah. I told you I got all the parts for my new computer and I haven't got it together yet because I was an idiot. I thought I took the case out and I couldn't find the screws and stuff. So I took it all the way back, which is like an hour drive and exchanged it and came back. And here they had put the screws in a box and put it in the hard drive bag, which I'd never seen before. So I it's the case. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was putting this one together and I was like, oh, the little io shield dust guard in the back where you plug in everything i left that attached to the old one so i I called them up and they have it waiting for me so i still haven't gotten it together Uh, an hour drive a penalty each way yeah so good thing i saved money so i can spend it on gas so (laughs) happy birthday to you and so summer's winding down we we've got just a couple weeks left kids are going back to school this week next week so there's I kind of suggested, hey, let's talk about events because you mentioned a whole bunch of things you've been to and we got some things coming up. But this exactly. past weekend, you were at the Geek Fest in Akron, Akron Library. So it sounds like you had an interesting talk. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Let's just dive into it. The Geek Fest itself. I had not heard of it before. You said you've actually been there. So that's cool. It's been going on, I think, for three, four or five years, but I just wasn't aware of it. I had used the form they had online that was for getting a booth to say, hey, I don't want to run a booth, but I want to give you a talk. Here's the topics on which I could speak. Here's my my specs. I've been at Kent State and at Baldwin-Wallace and at various different libraries and Comic-Cons and Mensa, and so I'm legitimate. And I didn't hear from them for a long time, except getting that form letters about, hey, you've got a booth. Stop in at 9 a.m. and we'll get you all set up so that the con can start at 10. And so I was then looking not only responding to that, but looking for other ways to get a hold of people so that don't, please don't get this wrong. I'm trying to do this. So two days before the con, I got contacted by Wyatt saying, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I've been out of town and I was busy and all that kind of stuff. And we still really want to have you and we'll be able to fit you in first thing in the morning in this room at 10 o'clock, please do come. And so I was like, wow, only two days to go. And that's usually not enough for you guys, for them to be aware of me, even though I know I will be on site. So I had misgivings and wrote him back with that. And he said, no, we really want you to come. Please come. So I not only wanted to do it, but I relented to his 
It was indeed after all the printed materials had been done up, the posters outside the rooms, the printed program, whatever else it might be. They got me onto the website 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon with my talk scheduled for Saturday at 10 a.m. So who's really going to be checking it on Friday? I saw bad things arising, to quote from Jesus Christ Superstar, and yet I went ahead and did it. And I got all set up. And of course, what he had told me about how it was set up was not entirely true in terms of, hey, I had to, thank God I have learned from many talks to be very self-defensive about bring every adapter in every way that you're going to be able to have to get video and sound out and just be able to hook into power and get Wi-Fi in case I have any internet connectivity. So I pushed their laptop aside, a Windows box, and I was still able to use HDMI and, and I got it all working. And then I watched while no one showed up. So no lie, I did my presentation because honestly, I usually just work off my outline and talk. And I was curious as to if I really just went through it as if I was it was practice run, what would it be like? And so it was a perfect 50 minutes. No lie. Usually when it says no interruptions, I even <laughs> laughed about that. Exactly that. None of that pesky speaker interaction with the audience. And I guess it's a good talk. It's ready to go. I'm ready for Halloween and whatever other mensas or libraries or various other things might come up. But I must have looked insane talking to a room full of phantoms. And, and of course, I well, comment on this. Slide. And my friends are both witty and snarky about Wow, that was, anyway, it was, I didn't realize how much it would bother me, how much it would affect me that no one showed up. And why would they? There was not a sign. There wasn't even like a, what I should have also done is not just got my rig together. I should have printed off my own little signs and just stapled them to things, taped them to things to say, hey, Big Al's here to talk and he's really pretty good. And you should Last minute edition. You won't want to miss it. Exactly that. (laughs) roving reporter joins convention at last minute you know that kind of thing but i didn't do any of that because i had been been given so many reassurances sorry wyatt to name you all enthusiasm no follow-through no execution it's really heartbreaking everybody else there to not i don't want to put out the entire thing everybody seemed to be having a great time they had dozens of booths all kinds of science fiction things for sale hey teas and coffee cakes and whatever else it might. It was a really nice little festival, all kind, not just all families, lots of young people really into it, cosplaying. I, I heard there were other lots of other presentations listed. So I sat in my room after, and as you might imagine, another fun transition was for the next presentation to come in and say, hey, you all done? And there was nobody filing out of my room <laughs> that they had to work their way through to the front of it. So it's yeah, I'm all done here. Yeah, I had a great old time. <laughs> so they were actually talking about other cons, other gatherings that are going on throughout Ohio. And I, that's I learned lots about. I've been to Con on the Cob once. That's a, a fun one. And it, that's really very underground, odd stuff. But they have science fiction focus and fantasy focus and whatever else it might be. So I took some notes and had fun. But it didn't take me long to go through all the booze. You know what I mean? I have lots of stuff. And I didn't need another cupcake. And I they I didn't hang out for the rest of the fest. And not only out of oh no, feeling dejected, but boy, my Saturday was packed. We had the Lakewood Arts Festival to go to if we wanted to. They had Sandcastle building at the beach wow. o- over in Lakewood. We were having dinner with friends at Georgetown Bosch and then going to a play called Something Rotten at the Beck Center, which is our art center local. And boy, 
company was great at the dinner. The show itself was hilarious. It's a, a Shakespearean farce that's itself a takeoff, a, a send-up of Shakespeare and what it must have been like to be a playwright at the time when Shakespeare was just had the world on fire. So very witty, very self-referential and stuff like that. So it turned out I had, at what, what, having said that, it was sometimes when things are so loaded, you don't necessarily appreciate any one of them because you're running from one to the other. It was a little bit like that because we did so much, but it was still a very nice time. Well, that's good. And then that's a couple lessons from all this. Number one, if you're a speaker and author, you get a table. And we've talked about this with giving the presentations. You're in charge of yourself. Be ready. Like you said, flyers. And make sure you have your... I was able to get all set up. But like even not being in the printed program or any of the things, like my... They got what they got onto the website was a truncated version of what I had submitted to them. <laughs> so this is no lie. I don't know how they decide how to do that, but sometimes you don't truncate from the end. You truncate from the middle and make sure that you save the end, which is oh my contact information, my relentlessgeekery.com, right. my Facebook identity, that kind of stuff. So it, I just there were amateurish aspects of this that really affected me. And then I didn't make well, sure in follow-up that it was as good as it could be. I, we were going to talk, you and I are get busy. We do a lot of things. Summer's a great time, but it doesn't stop winter, fall, spring. There's always stuff to do. And I was looking at the events on Facebook and meetups. And literally, if you go to Facebook and hit events, your area just for the week, you'll get a list of hundreds. It's like things happening all the time. And I know people really love those and the communities love to put them on. And I've been on both sides. What people don't realize is the amount of work it really does take to put something on like that. And I think people aren't appreciative sometimes, and they just want to complain that it's not as comparable as Disney World. Here you got a guy that works at the library that was probably the lowest man on the totem pole that got shoved this job, and he's trying to put this together. Yes, with a little more work, a little more planning it probably could be bigger it probably could grow it probably could get a lot okay i've got to handle this i've got to handle this i got to handle this so this is not the highest priority all the time exactly i was only one speaker one thing out of the entire thing i very much my getting complaining about it is because it affected me right absolutely the fact that someone took that on and was juggling a hundred different things it really is amazing that only one or two things fall through the cracks (laughs) And, and just coordinating the people coming in and getting tables and i I've done this with Colin when he did all his conferences and talks. But sure. you get people saying, now my booth is in the sun most of the day. You should have had your, and now I need electricity. You should have brought an electric cord. You didn't say you need electricity. Where's the water? You got to bring your own water. There's so many little things people don't think about how huge it is. So I'm, what I'm saying, and I'm not saying you're complaining. I'm saying the people that go to these things that aren't involved. It's one thing when you're involved in helping at some point, at some part of it. But then the other thing on the other side, which you and I have dealt with also, is once you kind of get sucked into being involved, suddenly you get way more involved because there's never enough people and they want you to do more and more. And it's hard. Colleen and I have had many conversations about why are we always the most responsible person? You know what I mean? We tend to say yes and then not only do yes, but make sure that it's a, a big, loud yes, that we help other people, that we commit to the event and make that come off. And her at work and us both volunteering for Mensa and whatever, various other things, I'm 
tongue-tied this morning. That's weird. <laughs> it's We've tried to scale back on that. A lot of these things are a matter of setting expectations. And so when you say, I'm willing to do this, but that's all that I really have time for now. Yes. Because sometimes what will happen is you've already made other commitments. And she and I just had to talk about this. I was not now, but there was one point in my life, maybe 20 years ago, when you learn about triage for work, that you have to have a certain amount of overscheduling and disappointing to just keep everything moving forward because there's uncertainty involved in everything. And even though you make a commitment, other people don't. And so you have to be able to make contingency plans and turn on a dime when something changes. Well, that works for where everybody understands that that's the game that's being played. But when it's scheduling friendship things instead of work-related things, it's terrible to have to disappoint a friend and say, right. I wasn't sure this was going to come off. And apparently you really were sure that it was going to. And so now I'm really leaving you in the lurch. And I never meant to do that from the start. This wasn't a ruse to get you to commit time, money, love into this thing. But here's the situation. What can we do now? And a number of things have been fixed and gotten better because of it. But a number of things were like, not friendships broken, but they sure were different after a big disappointment. And not only me disappointing them, my being disappointed. Because sometimes from the way it works out and the questions that are asked and what people are willing to do, you get an idea as to whether there really is care and love involved or whether it really was juggling with no sense of proportion or sense of how much it affects other people. And they think that if they maximize the number of things happening, that was the win as compared to, well, here's five people that really were hurt because they were the ones that were left in the lurch. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to be, you learn that over the course of life. You just don't do that to your friends, if at all, you can help it. So then you say something up front, here's what we got going on. I'm out of town and we're trying to get back for your party by seven o'clock, but I'm not sure I can leave here on time. I'm not sure there's going to be crappy traffic, et cetera, et cetera. So you try to let them know, like, I'm going to be there, but please don't depend on me for the guy that is the opening ceremony because I don't know that right. I'm going to be there at seven o'clock. Don't be icebreaker boy. Be, I'll be there to add my, my, my enthusiasm later or something. And, like that. and yeah. I love being involved. I love helping but at one time i was i had my kids every other week in the summer so that was a juggle in itself and i was a, a cub scout leader and i was a girl scout leader and it, that was like the max i tried to do some other things we did martial arts so that took up a lot of time and so people would be like can you help with this can you do this i'm like i just can't i can't add that but i wanted to so now i've found i don't have to worry about the kids so much but I enjoy doing the things, but like for Halloween or the Western Pennsylvania Mensa, or even the Geek Fest, if I could have done that, I, I want to give a talk. I want to maybe run a game, maybe teach a game. They had that at the Geek Fest, which I found interesting. Right. Have a yes. table, help set it up. I can do those things. I don't want to be the one in charge because I know how much time and effort that takes. I will gladly be one of the subs doing something niche. And I will handle that. I will take care of it. You don't have to micromanage it. But really, I know how much time those take. And I don't think I'd give it the right amount of time, which the Geek Fest, I, I'm not saying why it's doing a bad job or anything like that. I think he's probably way overloaded. But if somebody was really dedicated, that Geek Fest could probably grow and get bigger and be a big event, very worthwhile event. And right now it's a fun event. That's okay. Exactly. You know, it's also, there's, I'm sure that one of the reasons they 
have these things so that people can get real life experience about how to do that, how to plan an event, juggle between the contingencies, all that kind of stuff without it really mattering. It's not like business and that, wow, someone's going to get fired. There's going to be money lost, right. whatever else it might be. Having said that, it's also even for volunteer stuff, I come to the, so I run big things for regional gatherings, annual gatherings for Mensa. I've done a lot of organizing. And honestly, I'm really good at it. I'm the guy that runs the spreadsheet and really has an idea of how everything fits together. And when something shifts, I not only have planned it, but I've also been the one that kind of came in to say, oh, you had speakers canceled. What's the least amount of moving things around that you can do so that everything happens like it should, but you only have to put up three signs, not 30, to accommodate the ripple effect of it, that kind of thing. And a lot of what I've come to a conclusion is if I'm going to put in two years, like let's say a year worth of work, to make a regional gathering come off and it all happens like in three days, it's not enough. When I used to see my mom slave in the hot kitchen for eight hours to put together Thanksgiving dinner and then the hordes arrive and we devour <laughs> it in 20, 30 minutes, it just makes me kind of like, mom, man, that was a ton of work. Maybe love. Cooking right. is love. There's other things involved, but I'm just getting really aware of the kind of a single yes can lead you to be involved in a hundred different ways in this thing. And the event, even if it's stellar, we did the Great Lakes RG like 12 years ago here in Cleveland. And it was excellent. It came off really well. We had uh, Colleen uh, Damaraki did a fantastic speaker group where we had like the guy who discovered the earliest known proto man spoke to us that night. Wow. How Honestly, we had and not only that, tons of other speakers and a great games and tournaments room and list and great hospitality and all that kind of stuff. But when the smoke clear, a huge book sale and selection, hats off to, and I shouldn't start naming names because, you know, you don't hardly ever get a chance to thank your volunteers in a way, like as if Relentless Geekery is the time to do it. But <laughs> Nancy did a great job. Colleen did a great job. Scott did a great All these people that did a great job. And then when the smoke clears, it's still, wow, we're all like exhausted and happy, but also kind of Thank God that's over. And when I look back at how much I had done that year, how many meetings, how many, God, how many emails and phone calls to make sure that everything moved forward, nobody's egos bruised, we really got the right AV in the right room at the right time, all of that stuff. It just, it's it's not worth it to me nowadays. I'm not looking to be an RG chair, even though I or Colleen and I together, because we're a twofer. When one of us says yes, the other person gets dragged <laughs> into it and it's always helpful. And yet, I just, I don't know, whatever that resume is that you build, or, hey, I successfully ran multiple RGs, multiple AGs, and you're working your way up. I don't know that I need to reach that pinnacle. And I'm not looking to be on like the, sometimes those are also a way of getting awareness that you are a calm person, an organized person, a person that would be good in a leadership role. Do I want to be on the American Mensa Committee? Not really. I had my taste of that, and I, it wasn't pleasant. And so I'm just kind of like, where do I contribute nowadays? Things I love doing. Hey, let's go play some mini golf. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's have a gaming uh, a day that's just like lots of fun. Or else I contribute to the success of people who I really like. You know what I mean? So I, Beth Weiss, a really good friend, just ran the annual gathering in Reno. And that's why I wanted to do it. Uh, there's other people that I, I kind of like them. They're my kind of friends. But, and, and this is a rude way to put it, Facebook has really made it that you're aware of what level of friendship people really are at. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's I really don't think that way in my mind. I don't rank them. I don't have my my pantheon of friends. Right. And yet 
someone saying, hey, you want to do this thing? It's different saying, hey, you want to get in this submarine and fight a war? Or do you want to go play a game of cards? It's a different thing. And so the level of love and care and commitment that I put into things nowadays really seems to be, who do I want to work with? And maybe that's a better way to put it. I know I'm going on, but there's philosophy in this. It isn't only, hey, I like you no matter what. It's you know enough about them to know that they're going to be good people in running it. They're going to be compatible. They're going to be, when you see them make decisions, it's not going to be, oh boy, now I got to explain this to everybody. Because <laughs> I have worked for some people that were like, a lot of the work was cleanup and unmussing hair and making up for the things that they did cavalierly instead of being the calming influence, being the person that really makes sure that everybody's having a good time. Because if you, if you depend on a dozen different lieutenants, you can't chew them up and spin them out. You have to make sure that they're with you till the end. You know what I mean? So I that's how I approach things nowadays is my compatibility with those people. And I guess their compatibility with me, if they don't want someone who is enthusiastic and not to be weird, thinks really quickly and has done this before. So they're not going to deal with bullshit. They're not going to toe the line. They're going to say, hey, there's a better way to do this. And it's not just because I've done this before. It's it's provably so. This is more for less money. This is more people, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want it to be that I don't cotton to blind faith. I don't cotton to dictators. You know what I mean? So small macro version of what we see happening in this country. How can people continue to believe in such an obviously incompetent, corrupt ass of a man? It boggles my mind because I have big sensors that say the minute I see those signs of corruption, I don't want to work with them. I don't want to be associated with them. I don't want to be part of that team. Who wants to be on a team? Of, and, Let's make the world worse. Let's make the world a shittier place. Oh, my God. <laughs> part of the problem with a lot of these is people get a little bit of power, local, big fish, small pond, or small fish in a small <laughs> pond. You're, you're running a small festival at downtown whatever <clears throat> population, 3,000 people. That's not the uber power of running the world, but they get that and then they make it miserable and people don't want to volunteer anymore. And then people attending these events are miserable and don't want, you know what? This is way too hot today. We can't control the weather. It's just, it's funny. It's amazing. Like you said, it happens with homeowners association. It happens with little Mensa groups. It happens with bicycling clubs, whatever else it might be. uh, There's a great line along the lines of, academia is often described as the battles are so fierce because the stakes are so small. Wait a minute. That's no, it really is like that, that people get quickly over, over committed to something that really doesn't matter. That's really pick a yoon. And yet, because that's their thing and that's their level of power, they can't let it go. And I stay out of those situations where it's like, wow, another tin pot dictator, another little despot. Oh man, if I'm in it and I have to be in it, then it's, I guess I'm going to be the court jester because I will not be able to stop myself from speaking up. You got to speak truth to power when it's, man, how can you do that? Uh, You know, what's going on here? And even if you're not penetrating to the person that's being the jerk about it, everybody else must be saying, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that thought this was a really bad idea. You know what I mean? (laughs) So summer events that we've been going to have gone to. Now, I've been noticing over the last couple of years, Ravenna, which is kind of the closest town. And it's been really growing. They've been doing like movies on the courthouse lawn during the summer. They've been trying to spruce up downtown. We still got the balloon affair coming up in September, both mm-hmm. partly downtown, partly at the ranch. But they they started all sorts of cool new things this summer. 
They've got a summer concert series where they're getting once a month, they're pulling in bands, live music, downtown Ravenna. Oh, uh, the square. Exactly. That's they, cool. And they just got approved for Dora, which if you don't know what that is in small towns, it's a certain road and area with all the bars within there that you can get a cup of alcohol and walk through the streets and go to other bars. As long as you, your alcohol is only allowed in that cup. You can't use any of your own stuff. You can't walk off. And they have so cops a, a and stuff. Crawl that these places volunteer that they're part of it. And if you make it to all 12, you get a t-shirt or Well, something. it's not even that. It's just a regular open thing. It's not even a, a planned event. So every Friday, Saturday night, I could go to this bar with my friends and get alcohol. But I can walk the streets with the alcohol. To Which go to usually a is bar. not allowed open carry. Yeah. Like, don't, let's not overload that term. Okay. Or right. now that they're, hmm. I think. Now that they're doing these events, that way people can go to the bars, support the local bars, but still go to the events instead of whatever. So this is that thing. I've seen it in Worcester also. That That's the first place I saw it. But it's one of those things like if people are going to be drinking and walking the streets, let's allow them, give them some boundaries and just keep it under control. And I think that they're trying to do it because it's going to be less problems or whatever. So that's yeah. a whole nother issue, the whole legalized marijuana yeah. and the alcohol. And well, there's a way we can get people to drink more and then drive home. That'd be great. <laughs> but I think part of it also is they have the hotels involved. So you can stagger to the hotel. And if they really do that, that they make it that it's, that's always why I thought Mensa Gathering a cool thing is even if they have unlimited beer and alcohol, all you got to do is be able to push the up button on the elevator and have friends help you to your room. <laughs> or at least... Have a friend that's sober enough to drag you. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> or there's a nice comfortable area under the table that you can curl up yeah. in fetal position. Are so. they breathing? Yeah. Okay. We're good. So there's all these cool events and Kent just got approved for a trolley to run on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. So again, if people are Me. at the, yeah, they get moved around. Yeah. Kent has a lot of music and events in the bars and the restaurants and stuff. So that's cool. That's a great so, idea. Basically, what I'm saying is, damn it, people, get out. Go enjoy life. Some of these events and festivals going on, go to them and support them and have fun. We don't need to. Uh, we talk about movies, TV all the time, but there's so many things out there to do. Honestly, so you're, you're boy, you're exactly right. What, one of the things, one of the reasons that it has been so much what we've talked about is because we grew up in the era of COVID when it really was. How are we going to entertain ourselves staying home? Now that the world is opening back up, there, there really is, I, I don't even want to use the word disclaimer. The stark sadness is there's still a pandemic going on. It is still claiming lives. People still are getting sick. It really might be that it's nowhere near as bad as it first was when there was no vaccine and people really were going on to respirators and it was terrible. There are still long-term effects. There are still people getting sick for five, 15 days, depending on what they get, but it doesn't seem to be lethal anymore. If you're getting vaccinated and the strains that it has mutated into are nowhere near as quick kill as they once were. There's all kinds of reasons that we can start to unmask and go out and do things. And Colleen right. and I have indeed well, been doing that. Or even if you still club. feel comfortable wearing a mask, go ahead. Nobody should John, be giving we, you grief about it at this point. That, that Sadly, at Elton John, <laughs> we went to Elton John and we're out in the stands and we were some of the few that were masked, but that really was even though you're out in the open air, two close quarters, you're right elbow to elbow with various other people. And someone in the row right behind us was like, why do you have your mask on? And instead of letting me speak, Colleen was very wise because I would have launched into, why don't you? But 
it he was like, I, we have a wedding on Tuesday and we're not putting our friends at risk by seeing this show and then being the carrier. And so it, by, by doing it out of, it's because of love, it's because of consideration for others, we allayed his desire to get into a discussion and that was just fine. Yeah. You know what See, I mean? I'd <laughs> probably be very tempted, even if I'm not, I'd be tempted to go, well, that's because I tested positive this morning, but I didn't want to miss the show. Do you want me to take it off as I lean closer? <laughs> Well, these people that are like, you shouldn't have to wear masks. I guarantee he'd be like scrambling back <laughs> just because I'm a I, jerk sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I've thought of doing those kinds of things and I have not yet. And yet it's, I don't know, that kind of from the very start when we, Colleen and I would walk through, we do our walks in Lakewood in the evenings and we'd walk around and someone would be sitting outside of the winking lizard and yelling. Even back then, this is three months in when people really were dying and it really was a public health crisis, and it wasn't just people were dying, all the people they were exposing, all of our healthcare professionals that were being put at terrible risk. This guy's yelling, why do you have your mask on? It's all a hoax. And just, I, wow, the amount of smart I'd have to explain to you so that you stop thinking so foolishly, it isn't worth interrupting my talk to do. I just wish you didn't exist. I wish <laughs> yes. that you weren't so easily cowed. I wish that yes. you weren't so foolish to not only be like, certain but wrong and aggressive in trying to make others wrong too yeah. what a weird world we're in that, that i've seen that more in these last i don't know 20 years than i have ever before that they're not only provably wrong they're aggressive about yeah oh my god yeah, oh my yeah. God. okay so you mentioned caden puzzles that you got yes. at one of these events i don't know what a caden puzzle is tell me so they're wonderful Caden stands for Kate and Don. Kate Jones is the developer, and Don, her husband, is the uh, craftsman. They're beautiful, mathematically rigorous puzzles where it's like, here's all the ways to take those or pentominoes and put them so they make a square or they make a pyramid or whatever else it might be. And they're usually beautiful laser-cut wood or acrylic, depending on which puzzle it is. They, have, they run a booth, various different they did it for Mensa for a while at various different arts fairs or renaissance fairs or that kind of thing. And the, the site is called gamepuzzles.com. So you want to go there and just see over the course of her doing this, I think for 40 years, I think they just had their 40th year anniversary. Wow. They've developed an amazing array of things that she herself developed or that they have contributors who they come to them with this idea. And Kate helps them say, okay, so how would we do this? How do we, what materials will we use? And then there must be some kind of licensing agreement if you will i have dozens of her because they're beautiful and as usual i really need to like pull a prop and i don't have it right here with me but the combinations of the colors are beautiful and to me the math of them kind of like speaks to me there's symmetry there's beautiful complexity and yet and i don't know i think it's very cool that you can represent there's one solution to this thing out of the 1.3 million possibilities you're going to have to work to get this to work and it's provably that it's only one solution or eight solutions or 20 solutions some of the things are rigorous in terms of they have multiple solutions but then you start playing with can you make it so that the colors are separated into islands can you make it so that they're symmetric across the form sometimes it's not fitting it into a particular rectangle or square or triangle or some kind of tray it is and maybe this goes all the way back to tangrams they're an ancient puzzle about how to di sorry, dissect a square into two big triangles, two small triangles, a parallelogram, and a square, if I remember right. But the, you can make tons of figures out of right. them. So this is a cat. This is a flower. This is a wall. And once you go not 2D, but 3D, 
like Soma, the Soma cube, then you start to be able to make, here's a zigzag wall and here's a, the lighthouse and whatever else it might be. So sometimes you not only get the puzzle, you get a little booklet of, here's 40 figures that we've discovered. Lego you know, does that. Website. Exactly. <laughs> and other people are still contributing. So who knew that out of this particular dissection, you could make a reasonable facsimile of every letter in the alphabet. It looks enough like an A, all that kind of stuff. So they were at the, let's see, Cuyahoga Falls, maybe, art fair, and had a booth. And just, to me, there's many other things that are other artsy, crafty type stuff. There's uh, lots of candles and lots of wood carving and lots of tie-dye shirts and whatever else it might be. And some of them are sedate. They're boring because, oh, it's just clothing to me. But you walk up to this booth and it's an explosion of color and an explosion of cool patterns. And I, how I first met them was the very first Halloween that I went to, I didn't know a lot of people in Mensa. Halloween was a big Halloween party in Chicago. I didn't know a lot of people. So whenever I wasn't at a program or like getting to know other people, I would sit down at her booth and I would do puzzles. And I'm an odd duck. I'm really good at them without understanding fully why. But she had one where it was like, I think it was maybe Halloween 35 or something like that, maybe 25. And so she had taken the Halloween, the Mensa logo, which looks like a little trident, and dissected that so you could make it into the number 25. I sat down and, oh, hi, I'm Alan Baltazar, Kate. And like, while I'm talking to her, my hands are figuring this out. And so she's like, how'd you do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's usually much tougher for people to figure out. And I, sorry, let me get the light out of this extra window up. It, it was, so in the succeeding years, she was really kind. Like I, So then we played a lot of different puzzles. And as you might imagine, it wasn't only you can play with them, you can buy them. And so I went home with Treasure, my first discovery of Kadon puzzles. And then each many years, probably for the next five years that Halloween was going on, she used to come and we'd have she'd have a booth there. And same thing, whenever I didn't know what else I wanted to be doing, I went to play puzzles with Kadon. And any number of times, she'd, I'd walk up and she'd go, nobody solved this one yet, Alan. And then it'd be like, oh, and now you didn't you though? So <laughs> I kind of, I hardly ever brag on myself like that. But for this kind of thing, I have an odd facility that it really is, how do you solve a puzzle like this? You quickly scan to see which are the most difficult ones or the most oddly shaped that they have the least ability to slot into other things that are already laid out. And you put the big rocks in first. You make sure that you have those used up. And then as that gets done, you keep looking for how am I keeping my options open versus closing myself to options where only one piece will fit here. If I have a room where there's easy to use pieces and a relatively contiguous space instead of a gnarly space. And then they just go in the tray. Right. I, I wish I could, I hope I explained that kind of. And since then she has not only, they're not inexpensive. They're probably five to $500. You know what I mean? Right. She has some really beautiful, like super tetrominoes, which is all beautiful laser cut wood pieces in a beautiful, like a humidor, like a beautiful box. And very rigorous with all the things you can do with it. So luckily, she keeps on putting out new things each year. And so now, because she often goes to this particular art fair, which happens to be just around my birthday time, Aline is very happy to say, we should go to that art fair, because if Adon is there, I know that I will get you something that you will just love. And that's indeed what we did this year. I, I got one that's a new one, orange, blue, and white pieces. I should, again, have memorized it. Kind of like kites and crates or something like that where it's particular combinations of squares and triangles and all the ways in which you can fit them together into four five or six triangle-ish type pieces and then they all fit into this thing with some beauty and some symmetry and stuff like that and 
I haven't played with it yet because I only got it yesterday. Yesterday was the big birthday table, but <laughs> I can't wait. You know what I mean? It's one of those things that I set up my little coffee table in front of the television. And while I'm watching some of the things, I'm playing with them. And once in a while, it's okay, I got to tune the TV out because, huh, this is harder than I thought it'd be. It's not, by the way, that I'm magic and that I really solve everyone just sitting down and putting them in. There's all kinds of ones that I really have to learn the secrets of it. Okay, my usual algorithms, my heuristics for how I do this, they're not working quite. So what do I need to do to change my brain so that it can handle the shapes are a little bit misleading. There's a little bit more complexity here. I love that. I love that there's still puzzles for me to solve instead of being, and I'm arrogant about it. Oh, I can solve anything. No, right, I can't. Right. It proves, it proves it to me every single year that they keep making beautiful, artsy. And so I, not only do I have them in a closet, like when you walk into our house <laughs> along the top of our bookshelves are big things on easels where it's, man, that's so beautiful and striking. It's a checkerboard with red and white squares and it's dissected so that there's just, I there's hardly anything that's like that. And I can't help, but do you mind if I dump that out and try it? Because it's really intriguing to yeah. me. I like being <laughs> challenged like that. And now I'm at what, one of the, one of the prime uses of a cell phone is you can take a snapshot of a puzzle before you dump it out of the tray. So if you have to, before you leave someone's house, you can return it to a good state. Right. Leave me it in a heap and say, sorry, couldn't solve it. All yours <laughs> well, now. Which is a better use for your cell phone than to just Google how to do it and follow a YouTube <laughs> but, video. Boy, for a long time. You'd buy things. There were there's longstanding puzzle creators like Magnif. I, I not everything has stayed in business, but they arrived. They had ten different puzzles. The way you could get solutions to some of them, we had to like send in a self-addressed stamped envelope. Does that right. even exist anymore? SASE, and they'd send you a solution, but like in, for a quarter and only for a particular puzzle. And then once the internet got to be, there really were for all the existing companies and many of the defunct companies, people started sharing, hey, if you had phony baloney and were not able to solve it, I have a solution for you. And not only, of course, for how to put things together, but for some, it's a video. How do you solve right. Rubik's Cube? Even if you totally explain what you're trying to do, that doesn't mean you can solve Rubik's Cube. You have to talk about the algorithm for how you're getting from a, a known perturbed state to a better state and do that each time. To And what's funny is, the best way to solve Rubik's Cube is not how I first started doing it, which is, okay, get one surface all done and make sure that everything matches color-wise, and then work on the next layer, and that's its own set of things to be able to get a side cube from here to here while being able to return everything else to the state right. that it's in, and then you finally finish the top. The real way to do it, and if you've seen speed cubers, they like take a look at the cube in its entirety, and they've got the algorithm that says, I know where everything should be in the end state, and then they've got their speed cube all like silicon lubed up so that they just and in eight moves it's where it should be like and until the eighth move there's not a lot of sign that you're making progress it still looks very jumbled and weird and then in the last three two one boom it's all done and that's incredibly magical if you don't get that there are algorithms behind right. that. yeah they've and even created lego robots that they have color sensors that will yeah. solve Rubik's exactly. Cube. And I know we're, we digress all over the place. This isn't about going outside. I'm sorry. We'll get back to it. <laughs> Have you seen the people where they can take a look at the cube and they look at each of the sides and then they go behind their back? Oh, yeah. And I'll like, oh, my God, is that cool? Yeah. I 
we often talk about you and I are both bright guys, and it's really cool to be bright and celebrate that and have so much. The world is cooler, bigger, brighter, bigger box of crayons. And yet it's very cool to me to have something demonstrated that I don't know that I could do. I've been able to solve all kinds of difficult problem puzzles as a coder, as a puzzle solver, that kind of stuff. When you see someone that can do that and do it in 10 seconds, it's there's a different mind involved there. There's a younger mind that didn't get my bad algorithms put into it first so that it kind of leads you astray. They learned how to do it. And then they just sped up, perfected that skill. Uh, or well, I, I definitely where they have three of them and they juggle them. And each time in one hand, they <laughs> and all of a sudden there's three solved cubes. It's, Come on now, that's just magic. Yeah. That's not real. That really be going I, on. I'm definitely <laughs> I love being humbled like that. Someone can do amazing things. I, I'm definitely more <laughs> impressed with the people who sat down, figured it out, and can do it fast by working with it, figuring it out. Not right. quite as much as the people that get online, watch the videos, and are told, do these steps and you got it. And that's they didn't learn themselves. They I don't care if it takes you 20 years to figure it out. It's more impressive that you figured it out than you just followed instructions. Same reason I don't like to look up puzzles on how to solve them. Or that same reason I don't binge watch most shows in a weekend. It's a it, it, there's exactly. a joy there. Yeah. So that's I work with professors at U of I, Michael, and uh, I think he was the guy in particular, Wolfgang Poppelbaum. Feynman was one of the ones that worked on the first algorithms to like guaranteedly solve a Rubik's cube. And you actually had to come up with the notation for how you talked about what does that 3D thing look like and each of the individual 20, not 29, 27 cubes so that you always have it. So there's an absolute value to it, if you will. You know what I mean? And it, it was very cool. What kind of mind not only takes that, but says, I have a guaranteed solution. There's no luck involved here. It really is a mathematical problem. So hats off to, he's the first guy I knew that had put that together. Then books started coming out that said you know, how to solve it. And they took you through that. Anyway, so the art fair itself, by the way, yes. was cool because it wasn't only Kate that had a booth. There was another puzzle and these were wood and like where they had little burnt edges on the sides of them. And somehow that makes them look like oldie, timey, you know what I mean? So I have this, I, I can show one off here. <laughs> this is my, I think I've talked oh. about this one before. It's a, the dragon's hole puzzle, if I remember right, from a puzzle a day. And it's mathematically rigorous where you can put this set of pieces into the tray so that every combination of January through December and dates 1 to 31, you can solve it for every one. So I just solved it for my birthday yesterday. And for 8, 9 today, I don't have it working. I've got this little gap here and I've got this piece that doesn't work. <laughs> anyway, it, but you can see that they actually have a little bit of texture or depth to yeah. the pieces. And that, I like the look of that. And so sometimes I don't necessarily want it to be um, only beautiful. I want it to look like a Renaissance object. And Colleen found me a couple of those that you know, you're know you doing as you walk by. You're like, oh, that tie-dye top is nice. That she got a nice skirt that is kind of Indian stylings and stuff like that. You see these up on their walls. Oh, I don't think I'm going to be betraying Kadon if I get a couple other puzzles because those are really handsome. Those are yeah. really beautiful looking. And I want to have those in my menagerie as well. So let me ask you, before we run out of time, you also went to the Asian Lantern Festival at the zoo. So yes. do they still do that? Because I thought Asian lanterns were getting outlawed. <laughs> it's, I, so apparently not, because it's gotten, we've been doing that for either five or six years, and it's gotten bigger and better each year. So whatever would lead to it getting outlawed out of safety or out of cultural instances. Yeah, probably both, but I think 
the flame and all that. So the way it's at the zoo, it's at the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo, and it doesn't seem to be open flames. It seems to be that now, of course, everything is LEDs and okay. stuff. You know what I mean? That especially LEDs are certainly run so cool that there's no chance of anything bursting into flame. They do beautiful sculptures of thin paper, kind of like a scrim in the theater, much more than that. But they have, oh, here's a whole diorama of panda bears playing in a, a bamboo forest. Or here's a dragon. And of course, the Asian theme runs throughout. So they have a beautiful Great Wall of China. And there, they have the Chinese zodiac, if you will. And, you know, it, and it, they already look beautiful in the daylight. But what we usually do is we get there, we tour the zoo once and see all the animals, say hi to all the bears and, and snow leopards and stuff. And then night falls. And then these things are lit up and they're just, they're beautiful with the vibrant colors. Many of them are automated and animated so you can see the dragon opening his jaws or they'll have butterfly flapping his wings or something like that in this case i and i really wanted to see if they were going to do this and they finally did they had a chameleon a big old chameleon and indeed the light changes with oh, cool. so, that, so that his skin like they have what is it called morphism chronomorphism chromomorphism something like that they did it so that it did a similar thing on this big paper cool or plastic sculpture. And I don't know, it's just something that it's magical. You kind of lose yourself in it. There's just enough people that there's that that hum of excitement. Little kids are loving it, but it's also not so crowded. Like even when we were there during COVID years with our masks on, we weren't so much worried about, oh, someone brushed my elbow and now I got to get my sanitizer. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's a really nice addition to the regular zoo. And I've mentioned this on the show before, Colleen and I got married there. We got yes. married at primate cat and aquatics building because we're not necessarily religious affiliated and it felt weird i don't I, we don't do that and so why go to one of those so we had a friend who is an efficient he's licensed and did our ceremony and actually he was at one time the loksek of cleveland area mensa and i didn't realize it's in the bylaws that if you're the loksek you can marry people i think that's not really true but i thought it would be funny to say that like the captain on the captain boat on the ship, yeah on the african queen I don't pronounce you man and wife. Proceed with the execution. I was anyway. more of the Enterprise <laughs> instead of the African Queen, but okay. <laughs> Even a better nerdy reference. Thank you very much. Exactly. So we, it was really a fun wedding because we were married a little bit later in life. So a lot of our friends already had kids. And oftentimes the gating factor for them is the kids are getting tired and they want to go. They're in the zoo and they're able to go visit with the gorillas and with the big fish tank and the snow leopards. And so they were... It just nobody got tired until they like fell asleep on their feet. So everybody got to stay. We got to have wonderful dancing. You couldn't have open flame. That isn't good for the animals. But everything else, music, that we had jungle book dancing with the animals dancing with this stuff. I'm not kidding. It was really sweet. And at what I the story I always tell is our, we had we our our head table was in front of the dusky TD monkey. And why are they cool? Because they sit next to each other on a branch and they hang their tails down and their tails twine together like holding hands. It's just the cutest little Aww. monkey little thing in the world. So every time that one moves, the other one moves, sidles back over, and then go the tails again. It's just the sweetest thing. So we got married in the eyes of dusky teeny monkeys, and every, all of our friends seemed to have a good time. I'm sorry we didn't know each other back then because you would have had that a would have been great. Too. I love we had zoo. chocolate and banana cake. We had little animals on on the tiers, and everybody. We had a thing where instead of just banging glasses to be able to get people to kiss. We had people, they had to sing a song involving animals. Because we're at this, so as you might imagine, they were wonderfully creative. We yes, had people green awesome. alligators and long neck geese. 
that kind of stuff. We had a whole bunch of kids come up and sing the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song, and we so we kissed. It it just what a is there any better feeling in the room to have a couple hundred of your best friends celebrating you guys getting together, and then all the fun that we had. Good, that good school. Cool. You know, big steak, Diet Dr Pepper, me. It was really nice. Really, you, know, you had a steak. I hope it wasn't like from a zoo animal. <laughs> no. It was not leftover boar from yeah. when kicked off earlier that day. No, I'm pretty sure it was domesticated. I'm sorry, I'm doing so much of the chatter today. You're being very nice and throwing. No, that we talked about. Up. We talked about events, and I think you've gone to more events lately because I've been working weekends at the store and doing some other stuff. I, I went to the Taste of Wooster a couple weeks ago, which I told you was okay. eh, not quite as up to. But here's my contribution. How's this? The way I find out all of these things because. Sometimes it's who you're talking to, but like I said, Facebook on the events, you can really get by day, by location, by type of event, you can do a search. So that's one way. But I also look on Meetup. If you go to Meetup, you can join a lot of groups that you're a good part of. Yeah. Um, These guys are going on a hike or a bike. Yeah. These guys are getting together for a philosophy discussion. I know we, one of the things I did long ago was look into. There's cultural festivals all over the state of Ohio. Oh, where yeah. Will be the chrysanthemum fest or the pumpkin fest or flag days or something. And over the course of my being in town 20 years, we've gone to tons of them. We've been to the sauerkraut fest. We've been to the potato fest, the melon fest. Yeah. It, the duct tape festival. It's like we just, we are really good at just picking out one and going, a couple hours drive. Why not? We love driving. We'll see a different part of Ohio. We'll wander around and get our shave ice and our, you get right. different fair food, if you will, and, when you go to one of these little festivals. Everybody's got homemade pies that are just like the best thing you ever put in your mouth. It's really a delight, that, that little bit of Americana. Th- those little fun. ones, they're great. And yeah. so besides all that, also like Portage County has an actual website, Portage County Events, and it and yeah. anyone in Portage County can add to it. So I'm subscribed to that. And then just visiting the different almost every little county or town or whatever has a website and a lot of times they list events and i go to but i go to the library and check out what's going on there a lot because even even if you don't like oh i don't want to do all the library events but a lot of times if the geek fest you find out about other events they they like feed on themselves you find out about stuff so there's a lot yeah yeah. just walking around and like even if i dismiss 90 percent of what i'm seeing it's oh this guy's a local author. I didn't know that. I like his work. And he's going to be in Illyria or something like right. that. Like, I'm going to the Illyria library. So we've had right. a couple wonderful discoveries like that. Bill Washington from Calvin and Hobbes, as you know, was from Cuyahoga Falls. And I keep waiting for the day that they're going to do something like Will Batterson. They're trying to hide his identity so that, but if he ever shows up for anything, I know he's very press and public shy. Yeah. And that, there's got to be, he does cool things. If you go to the Cuyahoga Falls bookstore downtown, like you'll find out that all the Calvin and Hobbes books are signed because he stops in and signs them. And what a cool guy. I'd I would love to, love I don't to meet... mob him. I just want yes, to Yes, like, exactly. I'd love to meet a... him, but not at <laughs> a big event when there's hundreds of people, just at the grocery store. But I don't want to intrude on his personal life either. That's right, too. But he shaped me. I have so much sense of humor, like from Mad Magazine, like from other things where you have lines that you picked up. and. Colleen and I oftentimes will talk about Calvin and Susie lines. She had her son, Tim, so much like Calvin, so sharp and so sarcastic and so getting into trouble, but not bad trouble, but just was 
haunting authority and stuff. And so the, he, she lived Calvin and Hobbes guy. The philosophy you can get out of Calvin and Hobbes sometime, but the, exactly. from both sides, Calvin being the reckless, but dreamer and worldview that he has and hampered by Hobbes's realistic philosophical commentaries. Right. Based on those philosophers. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was the perfect mix. And uh, my kids, that was some of their early books was Calvin and Hobbes when they started reading. Absolutely. That's, uh, is there anybody that doesn't have that for that certain generation? Everybody read Attack of the Mutant Killer Snow Goon. You know what I mean? That they just and it ran, he was so good at it for so many years. And the fact that he stopped was such a heart-rending thing. Once right. in a while, he does surface. He contributes to Pearls Before Swine or something like that. You know, that they'll do little collaborations. And it's, well, that's definitely his work. Nobody draws an airplane attacking a dinosaur like he does. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so hats off, Bill Waterson, if he's listening. We love yeah, you. Exactly. Our ode, our piano loves. The reason he stopped, though, is admirable because he said it was too commercial and he was, they were cutting parts of his comics out. They wanted to just do as small heads and he couldn't do the art and the full artistry that he wanted. And he's like, that's not for me. I'm done. Wow. How admirable is that at the top of your game? He wanted to do like Little Nemo level, beautiful Sunday strips. And indeed, they were over, over restricting him. And I, he was, he, like you said, admirable. When you read his collections and he actually goes into the, how things started and how they reached the peak and then how they had to stop, it's, he's such a good man as well as being such a funny man, a brilliant artist and all that kind of stuff. So that's off to him, man. Yeah. You know, it, and yeah. Colin and I talk about this with comics all the time. I would love, and again, comics aren't dead or anything. But I would love more comics like what they did with the gunslinger from Stephen King and Jay Lee, that okay. there was a lot more, not just little mm-hmm. boxes, but there was a lot more full page spreads, half page and these gorgeous colored arts and oils and paintings and stuff as part of it. And Collins, sometimes you need the boxes to move the story along. And I'm like, instead of having to move the story in two pages, but tell less story in one book and then you get six books. So it's a philosophical difference, I think. I don't know if everybody would enjoy it as much as I would, but the Gunslingers are some of my favorites. And when there's a lot of gorgeous art, I love those sometimes more than trying to get a whole story in with lots of boxes and little Exactly. I hope that there's enough great sales of those things that are more artist-y than they are writerly so that people can still say, like you said, Let's do this as a six-issue series as four, because we know they'll all sell. Why not sell six instead of four? And the artist gets to have the vision that he has of this, stretch out and do beautiful stuff, not just work them like... But the downside, Marvel, and I don't think DC quite as much, but Marvel's like, oh, Spider-Man's hot. Everyone's buying Spider-Man. Let's bring it out three times a month instead of once. (laughs) You're going to get crap. You're going to get three different teams trying to do a cohesive story and different artists, and they're rushing to get it out because they have to hit that deadline and you don't get as good a quality. It's just a product. And There's a couple of great books out about that. People that were there to see it happening about when they used to have the big conferences where they'd say, what's the big summer special that all the annuals are going to go into? And then maybe there's going to be crossovers into all the titles and the dynamism, the conflict between, wow, what a great story. We really can have the scrolls everywhere. 
and the money people all was saying, and how are we going to make more money by doing this special thing? And we're able to get titles that people don't ordinarily buy. Yeah, they'll have to buy Ms. Marvel because that's part of the ongoing story and it'll only make sense if you... And so isn't it always like that? Art is much about as, as much as it is pure art and finding the right balance is not easy. Right. And often there's life or death struggles. So I, why is the Sandman finally on TV? Like 30, 40 years after it was published, maybe 30, but because they continually had to say, can we even do this? Is it right. filmable? What is it going to cost to do this? Well, the Sandman isn't like Biff Bam Pow. It's okay. And then he throws some sand and he's suddenly in hell and hell is a vast place and you're going right. to have to show. So I'm loving the fact that as special effects have gotten better and that as people have said, don't just buy the rights and then do our version of it. They brought Neil Gaiman in. Right. He is the one that's really running the show. So the fact that they've, they've made changes in the Sandman series, I know we've now segued to that. So I won't try to do any spoilers, anybody, because you got to watch it. We, what you said earlier, we don't binge. I we haven't watched it. Is it three, actually out? It's been oh, out okay. three Fridays now. Oh, but okay. instead of gobbling it up, maybe even only two Fridays, it might just be like 10 days out. Um, we tend to make sure that we, I don't want to be like, oh my God, we ate it all up and now we have to wait a year. I don't want to be that disappointed, that much in withdrawal. Look, Aline and I are taking that and watching other things that we still enjoy. Our baking show, our castle. Wait, I just got the discs for the new Dexter series, which they had a teaser available, but then in order to buy it online, it was like 30 bucks. That's, I think I'll wait for the DVDs to come right. up. So anyway. That's they're really doing a good job with the Sandman. Nice. They've made some changes compared to the comic books. But hey, if Neil thought that those changes were legitimate, I'm trusting him to see where he goes. He's very different thing. Nice. Now I got to go watch it. So I got to get running. So we're cutting it shorter, a little shorter than normal. But so to tie it all together, everybody listening, go buy the comics you like and go to the events you like and watch the shows you like. But be appreciative of the time and effort that it does take to do some of these, but also support the things you say need supported because I don't know how true it is. I know it's probably partly true, but they, a little meme I saw going around was that the women's NBA who you get a lot of people yelling, women should have equal rights. Women should get more pay. Women should have more sports. Great. But the amount they're getting paid. Yeah. The amount (laughs) they're getting paid is like a third of what LeBron James gets paid in one year himself. The whole league is so if you're going to yell and scream that they need this, that, and the other thing, you need to support it too. I've seen this with TV shows, and that's why I roll my eyes when people are like, oh, they're killing my favorite TV show. Let's start a, a thing online. Everybody sign it so they'll bring it back. That's happened where companies, are, they've killed shows, and then fans go, no, we really want this. And they said, well, look, when it started, 5 million people were watching every episode, and it got down to 75,000 people watching it. That's why we killed it. Oh, no, we all want it. And then three and a half million people sign this and great, we'll bring it back. And then 700,000 people watch it. <laughs> Wait a second. Where's these other two and a half million people like, just, oh, we'll sign it. Yeah. That's why those online things mean nothing. And companies are like, eh, you people aren't going to watch it. You're signing this. Yay. You're in the fervor of the mob mentality. But when yeah, it comes yeah. out, you're going to be like, yeah, I don't have time for that. I, so, I think Colleen and I really do live that. When we go to a comedy festival, it's because not only do we want to see comedy, it's because we want this thing to keep going. If it, right. if it doesn't get enough attendance, it's not going to stay in yeah. Willoughby or something like I, that. I bring that up. 
I know there's multiple things involved with this, but I tell, I talk to authors all the time and they're like, oh, it's a shame all these bookstores are going away and stuff. I'm like, when was the last time you went and shopped at a bookstore? Oh no, I buy online. Okay. Did you release your book in paperback so it could go to a bookstore? Oh no, that's too much hassle. Well, then shut up. You don't love bookstores. That's harsh. But if you really do love bookstores, you should be at bookstores. You should be releasing your book for bookstores. And that's how you support. And the same with events. When you go to an event, just find out, do they need somebody to sit at the registration booth for two hours? Do they need somebody to go clean out the garbage cans once? Do they need somebody to do a talk? Do they need somebody to help out, just volunteer and help out and support the things you say you love, not yeah. just, oh, I bought this new $300 Iron Man statue because MCU is cool. I appreciate that, but the MCU doesn't really need you to be buying the Iron Man statues if all your local festivals are disappearing, from my viewpoint. Yeah, I got to tell you, so you're exactly right and brilliant in how you stated it, and I retract a little bit of what I said before when I talked about how I do this year worth of work, and then we had the event, and it just wasn't satisfying enough, and yet why did I want to do it in the first place? Is because I remember being at a Mac user group in Chicago called The Rest of Us. Oh, yeah. And they got to where nobody was willing to be president. And honestly, I just stood up and said, this group is going to founder because nobody, I'll do it. Good Lord, I'll do it. I can run a meeting once a month. I can. It took that. It took someone saying, and in a way, not only I'll do it, but come with me. You know what I mean? Oftentimes, right. it's just someone that ha does have a little enthusiasm, a little. You don't have to be great at it, but you just have to say, I can't let this thing die. I like this too much. I'm willing to put in a little work. But what you just said. Is support the things that you love, keep them ongoing, support the artists and writers that you love, the events. That's patronage is why that happens. And it isn't a matter of this rich person should understand how good this is and buy it and make sure that it exists. It's all of us. It's that, it's that group action that's going to make this book stay, uh, yeah. uh, stay running, this bookstore stay open, that kind of thing. Yep, absolutely. So, yes, 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 all right, yes. man. All right. all right. Well, I got to get going. I got an interview coming okay. up soon. So That's best of luck, best of skill. Wow them. I hope you get just what you want. Okay. Yep, I hope so too. <laughs> Always a pleasure. See you. Yep, in a week. We'll talk to you later, man. Okay. Take care, Stephen. This has been the Relentless Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.